from the Auto Line Studios. Here is your host, John McElroy. Thanks for joining us on AutoLine this week, where the topic is all about 3D printing. If you haven't heard about it, you're going to learn a lot today. If you have heard about it, you're going to learn even more, because I've got three experts to talk about this 3D printing, including David Darbyshire from a company called Dasi Solutions, which sells 3D printing machines. Bruce Bradshaw is with Stratasys, a company that makes 3D printing machines. And Brian Levy is with Joe Gibbs Racing from NASCAR, and they use 3D printing machines. And it's great to have all three of you here on AutoLine this week. Thanks for having us, Thank you. Thank you. Bruce, let me start with you. For those who don't know, or even for those who, of us who know a little bit, exactly what do you mean by 3D printing? Uh, first of all, let me say there's a couple of terms that people hear in the industry. One is 3D printing. Another one is additive manufacturing, and another one is rapid prototyping. You hear those terms, and they're, they're kind of intermixed, so they kind of mean the same thing. Or even stereolithography, right? It's That's sort a, of part of it. Kleenex uh, terminology okay. for, for 3D printing, if you will. So people refer to an SLA uh, as a generic term for 3D printing. But there's many technologies, but essentially what it is, it's, it's extruding a material, a plastic or a metal, depending on, on your application, or, uh, or printing it through an inkjet head. Um, much like a, your 3D printer does at home, but instead of jetting it liquid ink, it jets the material that you're going to end up with, and it builds up the part layer by layer until you actually have your 3D printed part. And that's why it's also referred to as additive manufacturing, because you're adding material layer by layer, as opposed to subtractive like a CNC machine that starts with a block and you take things away. In fact, we should point out to the audience that here in front of us, we've got a number of examples of 3D printed parts. And David, I want to start uh, asking you about it, is when this all got going, I saw this, this technology literally going back several decades ago. It only involved plastics, and in fact, only certain polymers of plastics. Looks to me like you can do a whole lot more than that today. Well, and that is where the industry is going. In the past five years, I think we'd have to say that 3D printing is in the material delivery business. And not only can we deliver the plastics that we delivered uh, 20 years ago, but now we can deliver metals, we can deliver rubber-like materials. We could digitally blend these materials together to, uh, for custom application. For example, here in Detroit, we have automotive companies that manufacture headlamps where they want to have a clear material with a rubber grommet around the outside to seal the waterway. You could blend these materials together a lot like how you'd blend paints. You can blend a yellow paint and a blue paint to get different shades of green. You could blend a rigid, rigid material with a flexible material and get different shore values or different stiffness characteristics for your application. Now, I understand how you can liquefy plastic and, and print that out into a solid object. How do you do that with metal? Well, with metal, you use a laser beam. You basically hit a, a powderized metal, and it changes the melt state, and it just bonds to itself in that form. So is there any limitation on the kind of materials that can be used? You know, technology is at a very rapid pace, and as soon as these technologies catch up with the materials characteristics, it's all in the new applications. Okay, Brian, I'm dying to learn. NASCAR and 3D printing, I never knew that the two went together. So tell us what you're using this for at Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, sure. So we use NASCAR. We produce, we have to abide by the rule book, but... We produced the entire car uh, from the body to the chassis, every part underneath it. So, and it's a performance-driven industry. So we have to stay uh, at the cutting edge to you know, produce the fastest cars week in and week out so that we can ultimately win races and ultimately win a championship. So, so you're constantly changing these cars throughout exactly. the season? It's, it's a continuous development cycle. And rapid, prototype, rapid prototyping allows us to do that by 
um, taking any specific part in the car, we can redesign it in the computer, and before we go to manufacturing, we can produce a plastic version of that part to check form, fit, and function before we produce the, the metal part that'll go on the car and go to the racetrack. But in addition to that, uh, we can also use the technology to produce um, interior parts of the car for, uh, for, for changing parts on the dashboard that perhaps the driver um, asks us to modify for them. Um, one of the terms we like to use is, is rapid customization. So if, if, if the driver comes back from the track on Monday and says, I want to move this gauge three inches to the right, well, we can, we can produce uh, a, a new part of the dashboard with that gauge three inches to the right, make a model of it in the computer, produce the plastic part, put it on the race car, and send it to the track. And now, four days later, that driver has the gauge exactly where he wants, um, and he didn't have to wait three or four weeks for us to produce uh, molds, to produce a carbon fiber part, or a CNC part, or anything like that. So. Um, it allows us to keep our drivers as, uh, as, as happy as, as they want to be in the car. So Bruce, that, that, that's very interesting, uh, talking about the, these different things. I, I got to believe the, that there's all different kinds of these machines then. You, you need specific horses for courses to a borrow absolutely. a race. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, we talk often about you know, the right tool for the right job. And, and Stratasys has multiple technologies. And our competitors have uh, similar technologies, but also different. And depending on the application that you're doing, requires a different tool. Um, the fortunate thing about this industry is it's moving rapidly. As Dave pointed out, material development is a huge emphasis for us and our competitors. Um, the machines and the technology behind the machines is, is changing rapidly. Um, so the, the, uh, the amount of uh, innovation that's happening uh, affecting manufacturers in the automotive industry and uh, pick an industry uh, is amazing. And, and 3D printing and additive manufacturing is at the forefront of it right now. And uh, David, uh, we, we've got some examples here. L let's talk about specifically what you can make with these machines and even more specifically what the automotive industry is making with these machines. And I'm curious about this, this miniature engine block that you've got on the table in front of us here. Tell us a little bit about you, that. You know, I have a, a really cool success story with 3D printing, and this is kind of like uh, the value of it. You know, how many times have you printed off a uh, a Word document that you typed up only to find a spelling mistake. And there's a spell checker inside of it. Well, this engine block basically represents a spell checker. It's very small. We can print out a scale version of the engine block right there. We could pass it around in this meeting. We could look at it. And I have a situation where we had a customer one time take a part that we are doing as a benchmark to see if the technology would fit for their given application. And the engineering director got all upset because the, uh, the print was wrong. It was wrong. And I'm thinking to myself, no, my 3D printer is right. You gave me the CAD data. We printed it appropriately. It turned out it wasn't until his engineer held it in his hand that he saw certain features were inaccurate. And they had just released the part to go to the foundry. Imagine the money that they save by catching that error in the prototyping phase as, a, uh, as opposed to getting those blocks back from the manufacturer. So it's human nature. We need to have physical objects in us. Just like you say, you print out something on paper and then you find uh, the spelling mistakes. Yeah. And there's a lot of tactileness to it. You know, when you take a part and you could put it inside of a, uh, the underhood of a vehicle or put it on a dashboard, you could actually feel it, touch it, get the emotion of that part a little bit better than you can by just looking at it on the CAD screen. Mm -hmm. and, and John, there's, there's automotive manufacturers are using 3D printing 
for just that reason. Instead of actually doing a, a virtual 3D print, they print out 10 different versions. They give it to their marketing department. They go to a focus group. Does this handle fit the way you expected it to? So we use the term, a picture's worth a thousand words, a part's worth a thousand pictures. So That's a great line. Brian, uh, talk about some of the, uh, the products that you got in front of you right there. What, what are these different things and why did you 3D print them? Yeah, so a couple of things I have here. Uh, this first one um, is actually a brake pedal that, that we use in our race cars every single week. And uh, this is a good example of, of one of the things that we can do with rapid prototyping is um, say we want to change the, the geometry of our brake pedal. Well, it'll take three or four weeks to produce the, the metal part, but I want to be able to let my driver sit in the car, see if it feels the way he wants it to, to, to uh, if, if it's comfortable to him, if it, if it affects his foot in a certain way. So I can produce three or four different versions of, uh, of this brake pedal, let him try them out, decide which one he likes the best, and then we can go to manufacturing with that. And it completely streamlines the process, and it saves us costs so that we don't have to produce five or six metal versions of this part on a CNC, typical CNC machine. And in the end, we're only going to use one of them anyway. So that's a great you know, use of the technology. So it's strong enough to test, but maybe not strong enough to stand up in a race or for the rest of the season. Exactly. The, the materials that we have available are certainly robust enough that the driver could sit in the car, try it out, see if it feels the way he wants it to feel. Um, and it's a brake pedal, so he can put some force onto it, um, really you know, put it through its paces a little bit. Not on a track environment, but, but um, enough for him to evaluate it as much as he needs to before making that decision to say, so you could, I want option A. You could slap, slap in different pedals until exactly. the driver says, this is the one I want. Exactly. Hmm. So Bruce, we're, we're, we're talking about prototyping and evaluating. What mm -hmm. about production parts? Well, you know, it's, it, it's, it, that's actually changing. Folks have heard of 3D printing and you hear it from a consumer level standpoint. What's going to change now is manufacturing. Um, the ability to actually produce end-use parts, and I think you can ask Brian about another part that he has here. He's got a great example of that. But there's a middle ground that people aren't hearing about because it doesn't have the sex appeal. When I'm Chrysler and I'm designing my next uh, automobile, the same time I'm designing that automobile, I'm designing a manufacturing floor. And there's lots of tools, what we refer to as jigs and fixtures on that manufacturing floor that in the years past had to be either sent out, would take weeks to do, or... Uh, machined and take uh, very expensive on, on the uh, manufacturer side. Now I can print it out on my 3D printer and change my manufacturing floor overnight. Makes me much more agile as a manufacturer and ergonomically for the workers, actually they can produce these much lighter, much easier to use for the workers so it, it helps productivity as well. You know, one thing I would like to interject here, we have customers that are now putting 3D printers on the manufacturing plant floor. And a, a good example that happened recently, we had a, um, one of our customers had a manufacturing operation for an automotive company that was about ready to go mission down. The, the, the plant was going to shut down. They had a, a new device that was going to be used to correct the part on the, on the manufacturing floor, but it was going to take six to eight weeks to have that part, have the injection molds made, and get a limited run device made. And so what they did is they designed the part, they 3D printed it, sent it down to the shop floor, they tested out the design, validated that was going to work in the manufacturing environment, and then they sent it out for the final hard tooling. But while they were waiting for the finished injection molded part to come to the shop floor, they were already in production and they had zero downtime. Amazing stories. Okay, Brian, so go back to th this other component that you got in front of us. Yeah, so the other one I have here next to the brake pedal is actually a, uh, it's a housing for, for a carbon monoxide filter. Basically, 
there are 43 race cars on a track at once. There's a lot of toxic fumes out there. But our drivers and every driver out there needs to breathe fresh air. But he needs to not breathe all those toxic fumes in. So we've basically manufactured, and this is an end-use part. We produce about 200 of these a year. They go on the race car, all three of our cars, every single week. Um, and basically, it's filled with all the filter elements and the carbon-activated uh, charcoal that is used to filter out all those toxic gases from the air so that all the air that goes to the driver that he's breathing is clean, it's free of any toxic elements, so he can, uh, he can drive the entire race without uh, feeling lightheaded or having any uh, sicknesses because of those toxic fumes. Um, and, and I think this is a great example of, a, of uh, the use of the technology. The, the geometry in this part, we wouldn't be able to produce if not for the rapid prototyping technology. Uh, it would require traditional manufacturing processes that would be super expensive, very complex, very costly in terms of time. Um, and like I said, to produce 200 of these a year um, and you know, to be able to use it, discard it when we're done with it, when the, the filter element is all filled with, um, you know, filled to capacity, um, and then to produce another one and to keep the circulation going where we don't have to um, risk not having these to go to the track next week. Um, it's super valuable having this technology. So that's not a prototype part. That you're no, actually it, using those in the race car. Exactly. This is an end-use part. It comes exactly as it comes out of the machine. We run through some simple post-processing technologies to remove support material, which is just um, part of the, the build process. And then it goes. It gets assembled with those filter elements, like I talked about before. And it gets assembled, installed right on the race car. And then we send the race car to the track to to go race. To go win the race, hopefully, right? Hopefully. <laughs> so uh, is this common throughout NASCAR? Do a lot of the top teams use these 3D printing machines? They do. They do. It, 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 like I said, it's performance industry. Everyone wants to have the fastest cars week in and week out. Um, and you need to take advantage of that technology to be able to produce parts like this that you couldn't ordinarily produce through traditional manufacturing processes to develop your lighter or stiffer or more aerodynamic suspension components or body components, um, things like that. Um, one of the things that we use the technology for pretty regularly is producing patterns for carbon fiber parts. We want to put carbon fiber on the car because it's lightweight. Um, it helps you know, keep the weight down on the car. Um, but a lot of the geometries of these carbon fiber parts is very complex. So with the, the rapid prototyping technology, we can produce these complex geometries to produce the male pattern that we can then use to produce molds for producing the, the end-use carbon fiber part. And just about every single carbon fiber part that's on our race cars starts from the rapid prototyping technology. So at Joe Gibbs Racing, how many 3D machines do you have? Uh, we have three machines right now. We have uh, Stratasys' Fortis uh, 400 machine. We have a Dimension, and uh, we just recently um, took in one of their Connex 3 uh, machines. How, how busy are the machines? I mean, are they sitting there uh, not well used or running they all the time? never stop running. 20, all three of them run 24-7. You know, that's an interesting point. They're... Um, 
you know, with 3D printing, you know, it is a mature industry. You know, this technology has been around for 25 years, but there's been a lot of advances in the machines and the materials that they deliver and how they work. And one of the challenges that I have as a reseller of these technologies is getting the veterans that have been in this industry a long time who think they know what 3D printing or additive manufacturing is all about and showing them what the new machines are capable of doing. When uh, Detroit went through the recession back in 07, 08, uh, capital expenditures were frozen. And a lot of people had 3D printing machines that were lying dormant within their organization. As we come out of the reception, you know, people are taking a look at the technologies, what they have to offer, and they're starting to change their engineering and manufacturing processes. And that's what we try to do here at this partnership, is we try to work with people like Joe Gibbs Racing and say, what do you actually need to do? How can we do it faster? And how can we leverage the technologies that Stratasys provides to our customer base? Bruce, what is it that's changed? As, as David just said, you know, this uh, technology has been around for 20, 25 years, but it just seems to me that in the last few years, man, this, this thing has exploded. It's, yep. it's like generating so much excitement. Was there any one thing or is it just well, been building anyway? I, I use the term all boats rise in a rising tide. And fortunately for us, um, a company by the name of MakerBot, which is a Stratasys organization, uh, uh, started the groundswell with consumer-level 3D printers. So there was lots of coverage on consumer-level 3D printers, and they, they are impacting our lives today, and we see that. But it made the, the, the term 3D printing well-known. It's still not understood. I think, as Dave pointed out, it's mature in the industry part of it, but if you go to the person in the back office of the industry, they know about 3D printing, but they don't know what it's for. The fortunate thing is, uh, President Obama talked about it in his State of the Union address and the impact it's now going to have on manufacturing. And I think uh, bringing manufacturing back to America and bringing it locally based on just-in-time manufacturing for inventory and things along those lines, that's where 3D printing is going to have the largest impact, not only from an uh, economic standpoint, but from an employment standpoint. And so I think uh, the, the notion of 3D printing has been spawned because of the consumer level stuff, but the momentum going forward, I think, is going to be a lot on manufacturing. Along those lines, I think, is also the skill set of the next generation workforce. You know, you are finding 3D printers not only in universities, but you're also finding them in elementary schools and middle schools. Kids are using these for their first robotics competitions, Formula SAE competitions, and they're coming to the marketplace with a, a natural skill set, just like using an iPod or something along those lines. They're, they're not going to say, do you have a 3D printer? They're going to say, where is the 3D printer? And In which fact, one is it? <laughs> to that point, uh, a lot of manufacturing people think this is how you're going to get a younger generation interested in manufacturing. They, they, they have a very negative uh, impression of what manufacturing is about, but they love 3D printing and they're willing to mm -hmm. get involved with that. Correct. Mm -hmm. Where do you all see this going? Uh, I'll give you one example. You mentioned MakerBot. I went to the Maker Fair that, that's held here and I saw maker bots and this was being run by grade school kids yeah. mm. using their maker bots to make parts for other maker bots to make parts for other maker bots and i went this is the future oh. man this is where it's going we have service responsibility for some of the machines that uh, stratasys sells and many of the uh, components of the machines are actually 3d printed so it's it's very nice so where's this all taking us brian what where do you think this leads especially from a motor racing standpoint yeah i think the technology is just going to continue to develop and we're going to find more and more uses for the technology right now on the racing side at least in nascar we don't uh the rules don't allow us to produce as many uh, metal parts using additive manufacturing but i think that's going to change ultimately i think ultimately we'll be producing components that are now cnc machined out of metal 
we'll be producing those uh, using an additive manufacturing technology. Perhaps some of our uh, carbon fiber parts could be produced using um, additive manufacturing as the new materials continue to be developed, as post-processing technologies continue to be developed. Uh, and I think more, like I said, I think more and more parts on the car will be additive manufactured as opposed to just the traditional manufacturing processes. I know uh, Local Motors is going to be printing uh, uh, an entire car at the IMTS show in Chicago. Exactly. Yep. So maybe that's the future, right? Well, it is. I mean, it, it, he referenced stuff that's happening at Joe Gibbs, and I don't think it's that far off where we're going to see the same thing impact consumers. We're all affected by it today because manufacturers are using it for design and some manufacturing. It's not too distant where you're going to either break a handle on your car and you're going to download that part. It, you're either going to have a printer in your house or you're going to hit uh, print and you're going to go to your local automotive uh, um, supply store and pick that part up. And by the way, it's not only going to be the same part, but it's going to have your mom's birthday on it and it's going to be a little customized <laughs> for you. So, And for classic cars, you know, that are out of production, this is sure. perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the combination of 3D scanning um, to be able to scan a left side of a bumper or, the, you know, a, a bumper that exists to recreate that is, is happening all over the place. There's a, an automotive show that I'm sure folks are familiar with called SEMA. And if you walk that show floor, what you see for 3D printing is amazing at that show. Yeah, I think you know, organizations like Mopar made a living customizing a, a Jeep vehicle. And I think that's what 3D printing is going to allow people to do. You know, the next generation has a, a better computer skill set that lends itself to doing 3D parametric designs. And they're going to be just hitting print and they're going to be slapping that on their car. Now. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, that this is going to have an impact on manufacturing. I'm, I'm wondering, what's it going to do for jobs? I mean, if, if these 3D printing machines can produce an entire component, you know, is that going to have further impact on manufacturing jobs? I believe it's actually going to have a positive impact. Again, oh, so. we, we talked about, first of all, how much of, of what's, being, what's happening now from an automotive perspective is, is offshore. I think bringing it locally is, is, is going to have a huge impact. Will people have to be retrained and learn new skill sets? Absolutely. But I believe this is actually going to have a positive impact because we're going to bring manufacturing back to the local region, and I think those employees will benefit from it. From an entrepreneur perspective, I think that it's going to knock down the barriers of entry. I think you'll have more boutique car manufacturers coming on the market space, more people that are going to be competitive in designing the next fuel rail systems or uh, heads-up display systems or uh, cup-holding type systems. Because it used to be to buy a 3D printer or an SLA machine, you'd have to invest close to three-quarters of a million dollars. Now, for anywhere from $2,000 to $25,000, you could put something in your garage. So you guys deal with the auto industry. Amongst the automakers and suppliers, who's really doing the best job here? Well, I, I can tell you from, from Stratasys' standpoint, the fortunate thing is all of them are utilizing this technology. Just like Brian referenced, uh, all the, the, the racing industry uh, folks are using it. The same is true for the automotive industry as well. Um, you know, there, if you talk high-end uh, applications like Bentley, every Bentley is custom-ordered, so they print lots of 3D printed parts in every interior of a Bentley uh, car. But Ford, Chrysler, Mercedes, BMW, you pick the automotive manufacturer, they're utilizing 3D printing. I think the holy grail will be at the end when we can actually do end-use parts in volume for 3D, for 3D printing. So if I went in a Bentley today, what might I see? What what what? interior components lend themselves to the stick shift handle the radio the way the uh, the panel is configured um, 
the hand, I mean the uh, the steering wheel um, light rails inside there. You could have you have backlit buttons. You could have uh, uh, floor mats that can be manufactured. And it's not only the three, again, it's not the final part that's the prototype. Sometimes it's the tooling that's the prototype because we could basically do a vacuum form process to get the end product. We could uh, print stamping dies in some applications. We could print injection molds and make the final parts. Pretty much it's getting to the point where you cannot tell the difference. And probably the biggest advancement in the automotive departments, if you want to find the market leader, it's the organization that is investing in post-processing and inv investing in multiple types of 3D printing technologies. You can paint a part, you can polish a part, you can chrome a part, and you would not know that it's a prototype these days. That's unbelievable, and it's especially interesting hearing that you can use it on the manufacturing floor. Correct. I mean, for tools and jigs and fixtures. Holding fixtures. Yeah, yeah. Dave, Dave talked about injection molding. I mean, we, we talked to lots of folks that um, need to get uh, parts done now. The problem is it's going to take them 10 weeks for a tool to be made. Well, they're actually producing the mold on a 3D printer and doing injection molding on that 3D printed mold and getting to market faster while their tool is being created. They also can do tool verification before they go off and spend sixty, seventy, two hundred thousand dollars for a tool. They know the part that's going to come out of that tool is, is real. Check gauges, holding fixtures. There's, you know, quite honestly, what we have found the, the biggest value has been is when we bring the customer into our lab to take a look at all the machines, take a look at all the different samples, and even though that right there is an engine block, they may say. I have a different application for that type of thing. And they run back and they have me sign a non-disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Brian, is this what got you into motor racing? Or did you get into motor racing and then stumble onto 3D printing? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, like we talked about earlier, additive manufacturing, it's in the universities. And, and the, the university that I attended um, you know, is what led me to the, the job I'm in now. But but we had additive manufacturing as part of the Formula SAE program um, where we produced um, parts that went on our race car um, you know, using additive manufacturing technologies. And at the time, this was a few years ago, um, it, it was a technology that we you know, couldn't take advantage of as much as we'd like to. And then I move along into the NASCAR industry and we use it you know, extensively. And now it's, uh, it's incredible how much you know, we can take advantage of it. Well, this has been an eye-opener for me. You know, I'm, I'm like some of those other guys that you've run into that said, oh, yeah, I know all about 3D printing. Well, guess what? I didn't know half of much of what you guys all know. I want to thank you all for coming in here today and sharing all your knowledge with us. Very interesting. So David Darbyshire, Bruce Bradshaw, Brian Levy, great having you all here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And great for having all of you having tuned in.